where nobody knows your name is recorded in front of nobody. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. I'm John. And I'm James. And today we have a, 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 an excellent episode, James. It's called Please Mr. Postman. It's from season seven, episode 12. As you can probably guess from the title, it's about Cliff. It's about Cliff. Do you know the uh, origins of the phrase? From the, the song by the, I want to say the Ronettes. Um, Marvelettes. Ah, I knew it ended with that. Yeah, so Samuel Jackson gave <laughs> us a little uh, little part of this song in Captain Marvel. And this episode was written by Brian Pollock and Mert Rich, and of course directed by James Burroughs. That's right, it's episode 12 of season 7, aired February the 2nd, 1989. Should we kick off with the cold open? Yeah, I think so. I think that's probably a pretty good place to start because uh, Chase has got an Employee of the Month reward. Whoa, hold the phone. When did this start? But Rebecca's handing it out and she has mm. uh, someone in mind. And she's presented it to Sam. Hmm. Is it an achievement? It is. Nice surprise. I, th- I thought she wouldn't want to encourage Sam in any way. But there you go. Well, the, the, the thing is, no one really wants this Employee of the Month reward. Uh, so Sam declines it pretty quickly. They all just kind of think it's just corporate make nice, basically. Mm. She even offers it to, to Carla and says, you haven't been offensive this month. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, Carla. You get a, <laughs> get a sticker. After all of those declines, of course, it goes down to Woody, who is delighted to get this uh, reward. And he gives a little speech, which is interesting because to date, he is the only main cast member of Cheers to have won an Oscar. Yeah, I think you might be right. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think he won Best Supporting for Three Billboards. Maybe we should uh, have, have a look at that speech at some point. Oh, yeah. It's much better than the one he gives uh, in <laughs> Cheers, yeah. Four months in a row! <laughs> I wasn't really expecting this great honour. I'm deeply moved. Uh, you know, it takes more than one person to win this award. It takes teamwork. So I would like to thank my... Just like an Oscar speech, this gets cut off by the theme tune. <laughs> On with the episode. Yeah. As we mentioned, this is a, a cliff-centred episode, but we actually kick off this episode setting up a slight B-plot, which revolves around Sam, Rebecca, and some advice from Fraser. Sam says that we're trying to get Rebecca into bed, Fraser, and it's not been working. And Fraser goes, well, Sam. He says it's documented that all human animals have a neurotic hair-triggered response to at least one of five sensory stimuli. We find out many examples directly relating to Frasier, and I think we'll definitely play that soundbite. It's been psychologically documented that all human animals have an erotic hair-trigger response to uh, at least one of the five sensory stimuli. Well, it could be anything, actually. Uh, Well, let's say sound of the surf pounding against the shore, smell of honeysuckle on a warm summer night, taste of a vintage Chateau-Nutupup, fire-red fingernails, Dancing through your chest hair. <laughs> a black lace teddy. Straining against its fleshy cargo. Frazier, man, snap out of it. In a minute, sir. He, he goes off one and he gets a bit steamy there. A real insight into uh, Frazier's turn-ons there. For all your Kelsey Grammer fans, they're no fool. <laughs> there you go. But Sam doesn't uh, think it's any of those. Sam thinks it's, you know, it's going to be something more mainstream, more mass appeal, really. And that's sort of his 
mission for this episode. He wants to find the thing which will seduce Rebecca. Which will turn her knees to butter or something like this. Oh, old butter knees. <laughs> and whilst they're having this conversation, Cliff comes in with some news that he's being uh, sort of lumbered with a trainee postal worker. And he's not too happy about it at first. No. Little sidebar. This needs think it reminds me of a pun and a joke that one of my teachers told me. Do you want to hear it? Of course I do, James. So this geography teacher, he, you know, you're talking like young high school, the lower years in high school. Basically, we had to kind of fill in the blanks, right, with geography answers. And one of the questions was, not a great personality, but she had a lovely, and we went, what was it going to be? And the answer was Pyrenees. (laughs) (laughs) As in the mountains. Pyrenees. Pyrenees, yeah. Did anyone get that? Did anyone? Well, pl- well played geography teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get it, but again, when you're, I think when you're twelve, I think that level of both humour and punnage is a bit too highbrow for us. And when he said it, he, he was clearly <laughs> proud of that. And then when he went, I went, of course it is, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Nothing to do with the episode. I just thought that was worth sharing. I'm glad you did share it. <laughs> Uh, a snippet into James's high school life. <laughs> <laughs> they explained so much. But as we mentioned, Cliff is a bit disgruntled about having to take on a trainee postal worker until he meets them, James. Mm. At first he thinks that well, when you're training someone, they're just in your way and they're annoying you while you're trying to do your round. Does anyone know what it's like when there's someone that's annoying you trying to do your job? And, uh, <laughs> no, no, Cliff, no, we don't. <laughs> as soon as she steps through the door... He, uh, he changes his leaf a bit uh, because it's Margaret O'Keefe who comes through the door and that's his trainee. And I think quite quickly you'd say uh, Cliff becomes a bit, uh, what, smitten or smitten? Smitten. Smitten. Smitten, smitten and, smitten and yeah. smutton. <laughs> and he gets a bit sort of uh, military drills on it, doesn't he? Yeah, he very quickly thinks that, oh, this person might be flirting with me and, you know, tries to flirt back a little but before that, you see an insight into, it's not an insight we haven't seen before, but we see an insight into how seriously Cliff takes his role as a government employee. Yeah, because he gets quite like militant about it. Uh, he, he says, straighten up. He says, uh, no offense, sister, but I don't believe women belong in the, in the trenches. He really hi- highly values his job as a postal worker and, and compares it almost to sort of... Uh, yeah, military service. No disrespect for postal workers. They have a job which, you know, highly benefits society. But it's not It's not the army, so don't pretend it is the army. <laughs> you know, I'm not pretending my job's the army because I know it isn't. <laughs> well, he, he runs a tight ship because uh, she has to say permission to speak. That sets that up and quite quickly, uh, he becomes quite fond of her as his training assistant in, in the postal scene. She's able to win his respect by sort of sharing her love and enthusiasm of the post office because it's kind of on par with Cliff's own fascination and obsession with the job. The post office is in my blood. My father was a carrier and his father before him. It's been a lifelong dream of mine to wear the eagle on my sleeve and to be a part of the few, the proud. The undateable. (laughs) Oh, your your attitude is commendable there, O'Keefe. It's a hereditary thing, being a postal worker. Cliff gives her a warning, he says she's going to need plenty of sleep because it's TV Guide tomorrow. 
Ooh, so they're hitting it off, but I'll tell you who isn't hitting it off, and that's Sam and Rebecca. Yeah, Sam's in sort of this guessing game at the moment, trying to guess songs that it could that could be the one. And he's getting suggestions from other people at the bar. Woody chips in with a couple, so does Frasier, and so does Cliff. Yeah, none of which particularly romantic songs or heartfelt songs. Cliff predictably suggests a very militaristic song. which It's a very good song, Ballad of the Green Berets. A little emotional, but it's not a romantic song necessarily, unless your partner was in the army. Well, it's a, sort of a, a brother does in arms kind of song, isn't it? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Sam's solution is to rake out all his 45s. All of them. Any which he can find. <laughs> He's sort of going on a mega playlist. He's committed. That's what, that's what you'd say. He's committed to finding the song. We've got a big old playlist, if you want to listen to it. It's called Play It Again, Sam, the Definitive Cheers playlist. None of the songs which Sam suggests Rebecca responds to. She's having none of it. You know, she's like, Sam, really? I'm not insane. Take your 45s and go. She's quite enjoying the fact of him pursuing and trying this. Yes. And I think she's, she's stringing him along a little bit and she's encouraging it, I'd say. Yeah, very much so. And the actual song, which turns her on, is an interesting choice. We will talk about it when it's revealed. And it's an interesting choice because of a film that it's featured in. But before we get there, James, we go back to Cliff's story. And him and Margaret have come back from doing their first day on the job, delivering the parcels. And it's not went very well, to be honest, has it? I mean, he's proud of her, but she did miss an entire apartment block, which, you know, is a... Uh... Bit of, a bit of a... He's a bit blind to uh, the failures. He's smitten, as we said earlier. To be honest, he's going to pass her because of this, and he, his judgment's clouded, I'd say. Yes, but from Cliff's point of view, she has the full package. Some poor punnage, I'd say, James, some poor punnage. <laughs> well, I tried. <laughs> that's, that's all that counts. But Cliff says that she'll be graduating with honours from the recommendation that he gave her and congratulates her. He gives her a gift. And it's clear to see that they're kind of hitting it off. And she takes the plunge and asks Cliff if she if they want to be together kind of thing. Oh, good, good on Margaret. Good job. And uh, Cliff's taken aback. He doesn't really know how to react, but he's up for it. You know, he, he realises it's, it's, it's an opportunity. <laughs> it's like uh, we, we've seen him and Norm talk to, to women before and they sort of quiver at the lip and don't know what to say just make noises we get a little bit of that but cliff does end up agreeing uh, to meet up with her and they book a motel james oh my which is a bit sleazy i'd say for cliff <laughs> it's a little sleazy but i get it you know i don't necessarily think a motel or a hotel or in itself needs to be a sleazy venue cliff's logic for booking a motel is that his mum visited his condo and made friends with the neighbors and they'll gossip if they see cliff doing something i understand i i understand that logic however the motel they pick is a sleazy one and well just going back that that a little bit before cliff did have people over in in a few episodes ago right well i say a few episodes last season yeah sometime last season and it was a nice enough place it's, it's not a big place and I think the motel room they get is probably larger than his apartment. 
Yeah, I'd say that. But he also says it's got a view, which he jokes about, but it ends up being there's just an ice machine outside, outside the window. Uh, but she comes in, Margaret arrives at the, the motel, and uh, they hit it off. We've seen Cliff in a few scenarios, and he's always been very nervous. And he's still nervous here. It's a little, it's quite awkward. Oh, very awkward. Yes, very much so. They make a move, don't they? They get to the bed quite quickly. Cliff throws her. Yeah, and she likes it. Well, that sounded that sounded odd. She liked being thrown, is is what I meant. (laughs) I want to use the phrase in flagrante because I've heard it and I've not used it. Uh, It's not entirely accurate, but they're they're making out in flagrante, and then they hear a knock at the door, John. Ruining the mood. Mm, it's the cops, James. Well, a cop. Which uh, gets an interesting line from Cliff where he says, My first time and I get arrested. That is interesting. I thought he had been with a woman before to that level of intimacy, but that might have just been him exaggerating. Possibly. He's always talking a big game about everything. He's pretty vulnerable in this episode. And I think that's one of those moments where he's probably most vulnerable. But he answers the door to, to the police. And uh, it's not good news, is it, James? No. Like, I was expecting them to say something along the lines of, we've got noise complaints or something. You know, something that would kind of dampen the mood. It No, it escalated real quickly, mm. <laughs> is, is what happened. Uh, <laughs> because turns out... A postal vehicle's been reported stolen. And obviously it's Margaret who stole this vehicle. Uh, But Cliff covers for her and doesn't tell the police. And they build a bit of a lie around this. He lies even further when he tells the post office themselves that the, the vehicle got stolen. They both know nothing about it. And he's put his job on the line really for her. He has for for Margaret O'Thief. How long have you been waiting to say that? Only about in the last few seconds while we've been talking about her her thievery. But we end this scene with her saying, uh, you've got to make up a cover story for me. And he says, you want me to lie? You want me to jeopardize my career? This is my life. This is my dream. This is my shoulder. This is our (laughs) story. That's how it ends. She shows him a bit of shoulder. It's a difficult phrase. And he falls like Jenga game is what happens. He, He falls like a bag of mail? Yeah, that's a better <laughs> that's a better simile. Yeah, <laughs> but then when we go back to the next scene, which is back at Cheers, we see Sam on the phone talking to Rebecca's mum, asking about her favourite songs when she was younger. Now that's how you do it, Sam. <laughs> it does. And Rebecca did have a favourite song. To, to me, it's sort of like, oh, it was so simple. I mean, it was simple, but it would be weird if you jumped straight to. Let's call <laughs> her parents. Yeah. But I think it's time to reveal not only what the song is, but who the cast are. And we've got a, an extra little tasty fact about the cast. Uh, but first, let's talk about the actual cast, the uh, actual credited cast. Annie Golden as Margaret O'Keefe. She also appeared in Hair, Desperately Seeking Susan, Miami Vice, Dear John, 12 Monkeys, Law and Order, Orange is the New Black, Filthy Rich, and many more. Howard Mungo as Policeman. He also appeared in Hill Street Blues, It's Gary Shandling's Show, L.A. Law, Dragnet, Matlock, Pearl Harbor, Six Feet Under, The Shield, and many more. 
Philip Pullman and Al Rosen are uncredited as Phil and Al. Now, do you want to tell us about the uh, surprise people who appear in this episode? I sure can, James. Because in the cold open of this episode, we get not one, not two, but we get three cameos by David Angel, by Peter Casey, and by David Lee, who this would be their sort of last uh, sort of appearance or... I say last appearance on Cheers, but a sort of bit of a parting gift to these three long-time writers of Cheers uh, before they exit to Pastures New, uh, working on other sitcoms, including Wings, which we recently did some episode bonus episodes on our Patreon for. That we did. And that's the, that's the order they sit from Norm. So David Angel's sitting next to Norm, behind Norm, if you're looking from, uh, from the bleachers, if you were part of the audience. Then we have Peter Casey and David Lee. So it was nice to see that cameo from them. I think we'll be posting a picture of that lineup on our Facebook as well. I think we will, yes. But I thought it was a really strong cast this episode. I mean, there's there's a few key players who come in and they, well, really, I say a few key players. It's really just Margaret O'Keefe as the sort of new person in the bar this episode. But I thought Annie Golden did a really good job with the role. She did. like to see more of Annie. Now, the question on everyone's mind is, Name that tune. What's your song? Other questions like that. So, <laughs> so John, throw me a melody. What is it? Now, this I feel like this is a, a slightly trick question, James, because there are some behind-the-scenes facts about this. Yes. So I'll let you cover this, because I know you're eager to talk about this. I know how you uh, love the syndication and the changing of episodes and the edits, so... I do, yeah. No, uh, the song it was supposed to be, and which was identified by uh, Rebecca's mother was you've lost that loving feeling. <laughs> I said that like a, a robot. Um, it was just difficult to say it without, without doing the, the cadence of the song. But yeah, you've lost that loving feeling by the Righteous Brothers <laughs> is the song it was supposed to be. I thought this was interesting mm. because this song features heavily in Top Gun, of which Tom Skerritt played Viper. And we hypothesized in the past that, you know, Rebecca saw Top Gun and uh, developed daddy issues from it. We won't go into the full detail. Listen to our other episodes where we go into more detail within season six. But I thought that was an interesting connection. The song which Sam plays on a cassette player is a different Righteous Brothers song, but one also heavily associated with a romantic movie. And that song and movie is is Unchained Melody from Ghost. Correct, the old Swayze pottery. <laughs> <laughs> and Sam comes in playing this song quite proudly. He feels like he's onto a winner, uh, but Rebecca holds strong and doesn't let on that this is the song. It's an interesting scene because it's kind of clear how they've sort of done their ADR audio over the top of the song and made that switch quite easily, really. Yes, but it's it's got a strange irony when you watch it on a DVD or or in some syndication prints. Because she's not reacting, we're going, well, yes, Sam, that's that's a different song, mate. Right? <laughs> Play the game. <laughs> you clearly don't know your Righteous Brothers songs. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's just, a, just an issue in reprinting. They could have almost done the uh, joke they made in The Simpsons about the Super Bowl, where they go, oh, yeah, Rebecca's song is... Unchained melody. (laughs) 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 But they didn't, and it leads to a contradiction within the episode if you're watching on DVD or some syndication. Mm. But you're correct. She she holds her ground, 
Sam's put off, he leaves, and he also leaves the cassette player playing Righteous Brothers. And then Rebecca uh, kind of dances by herself and holds, holds herself and, uh, yeah, is having a moment, isn't she? And then uh, someone, someone comes into the office. Mm, who could wreck this moment? Or maybe make this moment? <laughs> None other than Norm walks in and gets greeted by quite a surprise. It is very much a surprise. He's in there because he was handed a bar tab earlier and he has issue with it. And he doesn't have issue with it anymore. I'll tell you that. He's, uh, <laughs> he's very okay with it. Because Re- Rebecca jumped him. <laughs> it is the most accurate phrase I could think of. He's taken aback that Rebecca kissed him so passionately. So uh, I can pay this anytime you want. But... I, I don't know what got into me. Please apologize to Vera. Kidding? After that, Vera should apologize to me. And then he leaves the, the office pretty quick after. I'd say a, a little bit like a changed man. Seems more willing to pay his bar tab. And uh, yeah, plays it quite chill and returns to drinking his beer. Classic norm. And then after that, Margaret and Cliff are back in the bar and they're discussing. And Margaret comes, comes to say to Cliff that she can't keep this lie going. And she kind of has looked at her options. She says she even considered UPS, but she's decided she's going to move to Canada and join the postal service there and wants Cliff to run away with her. You know, Cliff's, he hesitates at first, but then he's very okay with it. He's like, yeah, let's go. Uh, you know, let's go to Canada, Maggie. Mm. Let's start a new life where, where we can do who we could be, who we want to <laughs> be. You know, the, the guys at the bar tried to uh, convince him out of it. There is a very sweet line. Why don't you consider what you'd be giving up? You know, your, your job, your seniority, your pension. Hey, Jack. I have a gander what I'm going to be gaining. Yeah, and that, that's it, really. Cliff is... Cliff has his mind made up. He's going to be going to Canada. And there's nothing that was going to stop him, really. Although, as Fraser established earlier on, all humans have one sensory thing that they all always react to. And... Uh, it just so happens that Woody's coming from sort of the supply closet kind of idea and he's humming a tune, James. And we get that sort of uh, parallel to military service again. You're a fine woman. But I can't leave my country. My place is here, in America. I can't leave my home. Can't you? Can't you stay here with me? I'm a mail carrier, Cliff. I have to deliver the mail. I understand. But Cliff, it'll be so terrible. I'll, I'll be so cold and all alone. Who will keep me warm? You'll do fine, Margaret. 
Women have that extra layer of fat. <laughs> Carry on, O'Keefe. Never forget you, Cliff Clavin. Goodbye. One hundred men will test one day, but only three who had the green beret. know that he, he hears that song he hears his friends singing it and he can't leave his country john he can't give up his country it does come up very very patriotic this this whole episode is sort of built around cliffs cliffs sort of what he wants and what he is if that makes sense and he's very much affirmed as this sort of a patriotic postal service worker through and through who's never going to give up that job and at the end of this episode at the end of this episode, Cliff strikes what I'd say is probably one of his most iconic frames from the this whole series, where he's posing sort of as if he's looking off a cliff, but actually he's just looking into cheers. That's how the episode ends, and it was a nice ending. But uh, I guess now uh, will be time for trivia. And here it is, my on cue. Yeah, that's right, James. It's the trivia bell, which means we've got some questions that have just been delivered. All the way from Canada. But as usual, before we open our letters, we have to give a shout out to our norms on Patreon. So this goes out to Treb Curry. If you want that special norm treatment, then check out our Patreon page for that and so much more. I'll kick off first. At the start of this episode, Carla states how many times Sam has come on to Rebecca. What is that number? Oh, gosh. 531? Nope. It's 4,269. Oh, wow. I was way under. In this episode, we mentioned that Cliff gets Maggie uh, a gift. What gift does he get her, James? Ooh, that is a good question. Is it something along the lines of a special satchel? No. Ah. It is, James. Some lovely arch supports. Uh, and he follows up and says uh, he also noticed that she's got a pretty hefty pair of dogs down there, referring to her feet, because he's a charming man like that. Never change, Cliff. What singles does Sam go through when guessing Rebecca's song? Which which songs does he state the title of out loud in in guessing Rebecca's song? Well, state the title. He sings he sings the uh, the chorus from them. Oh gosh. Uh, do you know, I'm not sure, James. He gets through quite a few, quite a few of his old records. Whatever they are, James, I hope we're going to be adding them to our Spotify playlist. Oh, yeah, they're on the playlist. I, I may not be able to do them as much justice as Sam did, but I'll certainly try. Here we go. It's blue and blue, heartache to heartache. Now, that's by Bobby Vinton, that one. And then we got, which I can't do, Cherish by the Association, uh, which which is a nice one as well. And of course, you might recognize the Simpsons parody of it, but it's In a Gala Vida, baby, by Iron Butterfly. <laughs> now, you know the Simpsons parody, don't you? Yeah, that, that is the one that I did recognize. Yeah, yeah exactly. In the Garden of Eden, baby. In the Garden of Eden, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, Rebecca's like, no, Sam, it's none of those. <laughs> so in this cold open of this episode, James, 
Uh, Woody was delighted to have been awarded uh, the Employee of the Month again. But how many months in a row has he won? Four. Yeah, that's right. Four months in a row. I hope he's got a picture for each one on the wall. (laughs) Just all the same picture of Woody. (laughs) I guess that brings us to last call. What will our special be? Well, now, James, there was something in this episode which caught my eye, which was uh, when Cliff's trying to set the mood, he gets some wine, which is uh, got a screw top on. Ooh. Just wine, then? Which is essentially cheap wine. Screw top? Like a corkscrew? That's, that's the more expensive wine, isn't it? No, like screw top as in Coca-Cola bottle. Oh, just a cap. Yeah, a cap. A twist cap wine, yeah. Ooh. Oh, how you treat us. I think we could go for that. Lovely, lovely twist cap wine. <laughs> Delightful. But I tell, you what, <laughs> I tell you what though, James, as we uh, fill up the uh, the glasses with that delicious cheap wine, we'll be uh, singing the ballad of old Green Berets. We will indeed. And we'll raise our glass to Cliff. May have not been able to get love this episode, but he, uh, he reaffirmed his love for his country, I'd say. He, he did. Very much so. Thank you for listening to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. Mm-hmm.